0: a dark song from two different perspectives a track with an incredibly artistic approach to production and a journey through a tumultuous relationship you're listening to themes and variation Themes and Variation is a podcast about music and perspectives brought to you by the online music school Soundfly. I'm your host, Carter Lee. Welcome to another episode of Themes and Variation. We got a little something to celebrate on this episode. This one actually marks one year of doing the podcast. So if this is your first episode you're checking out or you've listened to all of them, Thank you so much for being a part of this show. It has been an absolute joy making it. All of the guests we've had, all of the conversations, all of the tracks we've checked out have been an absolute blast the last year. And trust me, we would love nothing more than to bring you another year's worth of podcasts, and you can help us do that by giving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really want to support the show, consider subscribing to soundfly.com. We've got all kinds of amazing courses with artists like RJD2 and Kimbra. We've got courses focusing on just music production, things like composition, get deep into harmony, anything that you want to learn in music, we've got you covered. And we're actually going to start rolling out some live workshops and events exclusive to Soundfly subscribers. Starting with a celebration of one year of themes and variation, we're going to do a live podcast taping with the one and only Ethan Hine next week, August the 19th, 10 a.m. Eastern. So if you're already a Soundfly subscriber, you should have your login credentials for this event. And if you'd like to subscribe and attend this event... Let's give you 20% off for doing so. Just use the discount code one year when you check out on an annual or monthly subscription. And with all that, let's turn our attention to the very weighty world of songs that are an emotional journey. We've got some heavier tracks to look at today. I think I, for one, picked the darkest song that I will ever pick for this podcast. And of course, I've got Mejia Lee, my frequent co-host for this episode. And joining us is producer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist Max Swan. Hailing from Philadelphia, Max Swan's music combines his passions for jazz fusion, 21st century soul, and contemporary hip-hop, featuring his vocals, his absolutely stunning vocals, saxophones, and iwi. I got hip to Max's music not that long ago through his single release, Legend. It's an incredible track, and his record, The Fisherman, I highly, highly recommend checking out. It was just a delight to get to talk to him and become a new massive fan of his music. And we get into all kinds of things on this episode, like the remarkable songwriting of Taylor Goldsmith and Blake Mills, our first track featuring the banjo, And Mahaya and I get hip to the artistry of Armando Young. So without further ado, let's get into the episode, Songs That Are an Emotional Journey. All right, folks, another themes and variation coming at you. Mejia, how are you doing?
1: You know, Carter, I have a pretty bad cold and I feel like people are going to be able to hear it, which is the only reason I'm going to say it, not trying to complain. But usually I just say, fine. This time I'm being honest.
2: I'm
0: sure that nobody would have noticed anyways, but now they're going to be hearing it (laughs) the entire time. I'm always this nasal. It's okay. Let's blow right past it because I want to get to our guest. (laughs) I'm just so excited. Vocalist, producer, and saxophonist, Mr. Max Swan. Max, how are you doing?
3: Carter, Mejia, doing really, really good. Happy to be here. It's, a, uh, it's really an honor. You know, love the podcast. Oh,
0: man. Thank you so much. We're, we're super stoked. I mean, digging into your music, I want I want to ask you all about it. Uh, that track, again, Legend, uh, the record The Fisherman, just diving into it. But Legend, like, truly blew me away. So I'm very, very excited to talk to you.
1: As soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, Carter's going to be into this. Yes. Oh,
0: that's <laughs> and awesome. I'll tell you what. It did. Absolutely, I think fit for this theme as well as we're talking about songs mm-hmm. that are an emotional journey. So I'm in a good mood now. I'm feeling good. We'll have to maybe check in with each other after this episode. Yes. yes. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, some dark songs. It
1: was hard to listen to these three songs in a row. Oh, right, honest.
3: I know. I know. It,
0: it's completely draining. And uh, uh, listeners, I apologize in advance for how you're going to feel. Uh, the serotonin levels are about to just be gone. Like you're you're, you're out yeah, of it. Yeah, no,
1: I don't apologize. It's about cathartic. to plummet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, was there a track that you considered for this theme? Because I I know what you landed on. I'm excited to listen to to both your selection. But there was was there any other tracks that you considered uh, for songs that are an emotional journey? Um. I
1: definitely thought about going the more cinematic route. You know, anything that's been used in a trailer for a movie. <laughs> yeah. Also, I hadn't thought of it, but when you told me what your song choice was, Carter, I was a little upset I didn't think of it first. Well,
0: I had to ask um, you about that because you did share the song with me <laughs> at first. That's how I got hip to it and that's how I got hip to the group. So I had to make sure. I had a hard time figuring it out and there was either that or Andy Shaff's Wendell Welker is an incredibly emotional journey, but I've already yeah, talked similar. about it and I talk about Andy like way right. too much.
2: When the walker was a friend of mine We'd stain our teeth in the summertime and Max,
0: any, any thoughts from you and on, on tracks that maybe you thought about, but or were you just able to zero right in on a track for this one?
3: Well, it, it's it's kind of both really because like I, I've been listening to the song that I picked for quite some time mm. as well as a few others mm. and the artist is the way that they put things together and the, the their sound yeah. is very conducive to these types of feelings so it was easy in that sense but I grew up listening to Stevie Wonder which you and I was one that really stuck like in my head
4: the sunshine of my life That's why i'll always be around
3: donny hathaway's stuff as mm-hmm. well yeah. was was something that you know i was considering just like um you know the, the there were so many songs in between their overlapping eras from tons of other artists that I've always listened to, but I kind of tried to actively select something that was newer so that it was maybe an opportunity for me to bring something in that that people hadn't heard before.
0: I really appreciated you hipping me to the artist because I'd never heard this track before. I I don't think I'd heard anything from them before and was truly floored by it. So why don't we dive in? Let's listen to some music. Let's uh fire it up with our first selection and see how sad we get and how quick we get. Uh particularly Emotions don't
1: sad. have
0: to be sad. Uh yeah. I'm about to
3: be pretty <laughs> sad I think after this track. But yeah. let's uh let's yeah, dive in just stay super objective and analytical for sake of both the <laughs> podcast and our moods. <laughs> <laughs> and <then laughs> Absolutely
2: Just Congress, standing in a row for a final harvest. There's a swinging motion to their shadows, as if the sun above was a pocket watch. Sparrows diving in the whirlwinds, arriving, playing games with floating dead flowers, revolving. And those little white darlings, like a hot snow falling on some hunters standing over what they've caught always been a deep six waiting
0: all right we are listening to execution song from Simon Dawes uh, hey I know you've heard this track before
1: <laughs> I think I've threatened to do this song you on the podcast to do it. multiple <laughs> times like not but like threatens the wrong yeah. word especially the subject matter so I, I apologize for that but I, I think that I've considered it for other themes before
3: Max, had you heard the song before? No, I haven't, but I I really did enjoy listening to it because I feel like the it's so difficult to catch all of like the lyrical yeah. content, yeah. especially the first time you listen through, and then uh, after a few times going through it, it like the value of the song just went up, 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 Mm. up, up up, Mm. as as I, as I got through it, because like, like the line about the, the pocket watch (laughs) and how the shadows, like the swinging, it's just like, dude, what, what?
0: It is uh, emotionally, I think a very weighty song. So Simon Dawes, um, I always forget. I always just assumed like Simon Dawes, who is Simon? Well, Simon Dawes, the name comes from Taylor Goldsmith and Blake Mills. Uh, Blake Mills being, I think, one of my favorite musicians of today. The stuff he's doing with Pino Palladino is just out of this world. But Simon Dawes comes from their middle names, you know, and this, the group formed and like the Early to mid two thousands, uh in California, like Los Angeles area. They might have been like in high school. Yeah, they all right? went to high school. They were all in like Malibu, I think, at the time. And when I when I listen to this music and I think about like where they were, like I don't associate Malibu with like <laughs> a song like this, but nevertheless, no way. Uh that that's where we're at.
1: All their stuff's like this too. Like it all like this is the most sentimental, I'd say. Like it's the rest is very post-punk. You know, more upbeat and stuff, but it all has these layers and layers of both lyrical interest, but also musical interest yeah. where you need to listen to something 12 times to get it. And right. I still don't know what this song's about, and it's uh, one of my favorites. Yeah, and...
0: I have theories. I, I mean, I'm going to just go out there and probably be wrong, because as I've said a million times, my lyrical interpretation, it's not really my thing. It's the harmonic interpretation. There's no wrong. But this song, I want to look at... There's a few different things that drive the emotional journey one is the harmony uh two is the lyrics of course the three is the performance and then at the end we get a guitar solo which i think also kind of helps drive those things together which you could put in (laughs) together with performance so i want to touch on the harmony first there is some interesting stuff happening here for sure there's that very pensive sounding kind of pedal tones on on the acoustic guitar right up front that B and F sharp that ring through essentially every chord. There's some adjustments in the second verse, really ramp up the tension a little bit. I'm a sucker for common tones. Grab a note or two that can just float over a bunch of different changes. And it just really draws you in. I think as a listener, the harmonic rhythm to me is so interesting on this, on this track, it Mm. locks you in. It's not just chord two, three, four, chord two, three, no, it's, very uh, like attached to that unrelenting drive of the lyrical delivery. Taylor Goldsmith and and Blake Mills both playing guitar and singing uh and and I believe on this track they're both taking a verse. So I'm excited to get into
2: that there's always been a deep six waiting right below you. Every time you thought you had tomorrow to wake up tonight. Shut your eyes to hold your tears back. As your head gets a hold of what they're giving you. And your legs start folding in 12 different places and up and down. It, your that that you're
0: first that verse, I, I, I do believe, is Taylor Goldsmith singing from the perspective of somebody set to be executed. And... <laughs> My God, like when you, like some of the lines that, that pulled out for me is uh, uh, there's always been a deep six waiting right below you, deep six, like just to be destroyed. Basically, um, uh, every time right. you thought you had tomorrow to wake up to, now you shut your eyes don't hold back your or don't hold your tears back as your head gets a hold of what they're giving you. so what i'm picturing there is literally being sentenced and you're like the weight of that hitting you and the reality of like your oh, you life being coming kind of, yeah so that's that's what I'm thinking there, and it's just like you're coming to the realization that your time is up. Uh, That that line, your legs buckle in 12 different places. I literally, you can almost feel that. You know, we've all been in nervy situations where maybe you get a little like, oh man, I might... Fall or something like that. Never this, <laughs> like never, never something like this. And I hope that that none of us are in this situation. Yeah. we had several left turns. Or deserve to yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but this song, like, it gives you the full emotional weight of a situation that is just impossible to conceive of. Max, you referenced the line of. Um, like the, the yeah, watch. the, the shadow shaping like a pocket watch and the, the sun being a pendulum. Yeah. I, I don't know. For whatever reason, that verse painted a scene of a courthouse for me and you're actually getting the, the sentencing and you're, too. you're getting that realization. Mm-hmm.
3: Me too. Yeah. I think that also the fact that something that stood out to me is that just before that line with the pocket watch and the swinging shadows, I'm pretty sure he talks about a harvest. Yes. Whoever's yeah, saying talks about a harvest, which makes me think that there the that whoever is this it's like drawing attention to the fact that there is a rigged system being pimped in order to mm. in order to harvest like a you know another life yeah you know whether that's like a sentencing or, or an actual like murder charge or whatever it it does kind of to me solidify the fact that there is some type of foul play happening mm. inside of whatever this Prosecution group or what have mm-hmm. you is is kind of putting forth in the message that that the, the the guy singing is talking about, you know.
0: So maybe it is in in, in your perspective, and I think even me my mind as well that this is an innocent right person um, being convicted of something maybe that they didn't do, and now being sentenced to death for something that they didn't do, which is which happens all the time. It does, yeah. yeah and uh, oh right. man, we <laughs> I'm I mean, so. I mean, the heavy. whole thing yeah. feels a little uh. bit
1: like. Like, it's got these gray areas, like, when you listen to it, it's almost like like listening to a short story or something, you know? It is Um, very descriptive. Yeah, you picture these scenes and these characters, um, but yeah, to me, it just feels like a complicated thing, like, almost like, like, I don't know if you had to read The Crucible in high school or something like that, where you get the sense, like, yeah, where you're like, there is somebody guilty of something, but it's so much less black and white than it seems. Well. um how deep did you get into sparrows carter
0: (laughs) not not very not very i do i want to i want to look at the second verse uh, a little bit with you guys as well because i think this is and again something i love about the song two verses there's two singers in the band taylor goldsmith takes the first verse and i'm pretty sure blake mills is taking the second and they have distinct differences in their voices and just like that and we'll talk about it like just with the performance goldsmith has this like very emotional and emotive and like almost like on the edge performance and then Blake Mills has a little bit more subdued and a little bit more somber because again I, I do believe he's singing from the perspective of a very reluctant executioner and this
2: is where you learn to talk in secrets when the guilt's so dry and the sweat is helpless cause you know when they say this is for what he did uh, it just isn't good enough
0: So for him, that, Ooh, that line, yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's that that <laughs> line particularly, you know, this is for what he did, but this isn't good enough. Like you are just carrying out the state's order of, of execution. Mm-hmm. The big thing too, for me, the, the contrasting hooks, I guess of it, like at the end of each verse, you have the don't come to me and cry Day," because it doesn't work that, mm-hmm. that way at the end of the first verse. And then this better be a big payday from the perspective Mayday, of yeah. the executioner, no. uh, but it doesn't look right. that way love that mm. same melody different lyrical contents different perspectives uh but still putting the listener like like right in the center of a, a pretty awful uh situation
2: but don't come to me and cry May they it doesn't work Better be a big payday. but it doesn't look that
0: way lastly you know the guitar solo at the end of course I, I even kind of like pause to call it a solo because really it, it's just this incredibly emotive and wandering playing and I, I really think if I was to try and get inside the head of of Blake Mills playing on this I really think he's like how do I tap into the scene of an execution on the guitar when I'm listening to what's being played there's no there's just these random bursts of energy and like like sorrow almost so I want to play a little bit of that for for you right now
3: I, I mean, I really like the crunchy guitar. Mm. I thought that mm. the, yeah. uh, that there's like so much rawness to what it brings to the song, and how as it moves through from you know uh, verse to chorus to coming back down a, just a little bit because there's not too much dynamic change. the 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 overall dynamic ramp of the tune into the end where there are you know samples of life it sounds yeah. like some type of like a railroad yeah. or like a horse-drawn carriage or something mm-hmm. like that super low fi though like cut at the top cut at the bottom um and the the like the way it just kind of falls apart at the end i'd be surprised if it took like a million takes to make the track yeah. it really sounds supernatural and that like as they moved through the recording if it was just one take the emotions and the way that it pushes even though the there is so much lyrical content in it that's hard to digest the first time through unless you are sitting in a car which many people yeah. getting their music yeah. just it just doesn't really happen that much that way anymore. Right. at least right now um that that the feeling is still there it's 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 really easy to kind of fall into it and and follow along i think in the headspace yeah. that if they were so analytical with the way they created it, which I doubt they are, that you as a listener would respond more often than not that way to it, just because of the way that it feels. And and that, I hate to say presentation, but just the way it sounds.
0: Max, my man, what do we have the pleasure of listening to right now?
3: So this track is called Loved Ones. It's by Armando Young, who has a very small amount of content available to listen to. But everything is really, really, uh, it sounds like him. It has an identity to it. I love all of his stuff. There's so much in the music in terms of the sampling and how he enters the choruses in his own ways and how the the feelings change but ha- you they they keep the listener involved and and you know kind of towed along through the music you know hand over hand as as it as it as it goes and new instruments being introduced in verses and it's just it, i don't even understand what he's saying most of the time i have to pull the lyrics up and check them out because there are things that i hear which are like really really beautiful statements I, I really don't mind because I'm, I'm very much like you, Carter, in the way that I listen to music, which is that it's like I listen to producers more than I listen to rappers. Yeah, Even though yeah, I'm listening same, to rap yeah. music, I listen to producers more than I'm listening to rappers. And in this same sense, I know that he's the one that's singing it. Just like I I think a lot of times with my own music that people sometimes might not understand what I'm saying the first time through. Mm-hmm. But I, I really appreciate the feeling of the music because... I every time I look up the lyrics to see what they're about I'm like oh man this is exactly the way that I felt anyway about what was going on so the mark is hit regardless and it to me the you know first time I heard these songs I I can remember like what the room felt like I can remember what the smells mm-hmm. were like it's like it's a very special heartfelt piece of music a lot of the majority of his music is and it's it's definitely about a relationship I know that for sure um, but it's just it, it, it reminds me kind of like the feeling of falling in love.
0: You make a really interesting point about the lyrics in that I, I don't know that this has come up on the podcast before, but maybe an intentional mix where it makes the listener actually seek out or listen very closely to what the lyrics are, or seek them out and like learn them for themselves. I think I I think of D'Angelo's Absolutely. Black Messiah, which I think was intentionally mixed mm, nailed to it. that, right? Like where it's like it. you have to like, wait, what's going on? Like, yeah, I have to go in yeah. and really figure it out.
1: An engineer was a mentor of mine way back when I was like a teenager. Once told me like when you're mixing something it's okay to mix the vocal a little lower than you think you want to because the human ear will always seek it out Absolutely. You know? mm-hmm. and I love yeah. that this mix draws our attention to other elements of the track that are still like organic and human sounding but aren't necessarily the vocal um, yeah. you know like we're not as used to listening for percussion <laughs> and I like right. how high that is in the mix it feels infectious in a really good way
3: you can hear this happening in a room you can hear it Mm -hmm. happening in in a in a studio you can hear it happening in a nightclub and the coolest part about it is that even if this might be about something, I mean, I think that, honestly, Armando, if, you know, I've talked to him in brief, but mm. I I kind of just want to hear what it's about because mm. I myself have been in an experience that I can relate to this where I'm writing about something that is hard for me to talk about. But the only way I can get my release is by writing mm. about it. The only way I can feel better about it is by writing about it. But I, I'm i so uncomfortable or I want to keep the, the, the privacy of what the piece of music is going to, might potentially reveal accidentally. Right. I want to keep that still kind of tight. So I talk about things in a way that is... Not cryptic, but is like artistic. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like another weed that found a way. You yeah,
1: know? I can't remember who said it, and if I if I'm lucky, it's just me right now. But I don't think it is. I think this is something someone else said. But uh, someone, I'm I suspect once told me that good songwriting is kind of like wearing a mask of your own face. You mm-hmm. know, it's like right, simultaneously right. very revealing and Which honest. is exactly what Armando you know what I
0: mean? does, like, right? Like that's a, he's yeah. that's yeah. literally what he's doing in his videos, which is amazing. So nailed it. You know, by the way,
3: <laughs> just so that because I know that people, I'm the type of person that I like to listen all the way through mm-hmm. a podcast episode. For the folks, just to break the fourth wall yeah, for a second. please. <laughs> we're talking about the mask. I, I like tried to figure this out because this video blew me away. <laughs> yeah, right now, so right good. now, hundreds of people are are pausing this episode and going to watch the video to go see it. Yeah, so yeah, uh, but the the he has a he had a mask made that is an enormous <laughs> mask. It's like it almost crosses his shoulders, yeah. the size of the head, but the face is has a a cutout. It's a hard mask, and there's a cutout that goes like around the f- top of the forehead, like the hairline, down, around, underneath of the chin, and there are like 40 different expressions mm-hmm. if you go on his Instagram. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it, honestly. like It's like dead mouse. I don't know if
1: I have that many. A real face. Do you guys have 40 facial no, expressions? No, not at all. I have like three. Of, like, I don't I know if like my three. face does 40 things.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I want to touch on the production, particularly from your perspective as a producer. I I think you guys both clearly have your own voice both as singers and producers and in creating uniquely different music but there is maybe some synergy in between uh and some similarities but for me like you touched on this max a bit one of the things that i loved about this song is like just as simple you can hear the fingers on the bass <laughs>
3: Uses whistles like yeah, no one yeah. I've ever heard before. Mm. It's the coolest thing because it sounds like this, like really, really expensive, like synth. You yep. know, uh, this type of sample pro- process thing. But like, it's on a lot of his stuff, and I really like it because it's like it's super low on the fader, but really heavy on like a pre-fader sound. Yep. Mm. Just overall about the song, I love his usage of gang vocals are really cool Mm -hmm. like there's i don't know if it's i don't know if it's a female voice on the
2: you say you can hear it but in spirit your flesh and bone is weak
3: like that that whole thing how there's like a group of people that are singing the parts i love that and then you know the arrangement side of things i think that you know I really am speaking out of my depth here but I think that that he's a piano player. I do I would mm-hmm. bet that, yeah. I, th- I would bet that. Because there is some really really sick keyboard stuff that is like talked away in yeah. a lot in all of his all of his songs. Um the voicings are very thoughtful, the intelligent keyboard playing, very, you know, like mm-hmm. in the in the in the way that like Larry Golding yep. would work with like uh Totally. uh you know, James Taylor and 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 things like that, like really, really beautiful, like, ability to kind of speak through the instrument.
1: There's a time and a place for shredding. And there's a a time and a place for doing all the cheesy things that we're used to hearing a piano do in a good song. That's emotional, like, you know, like little broken chords and arpeggios, all that stuff is great. But there's something about really, you use the word intelligent, and I love that, about intelligent playing that isn't showy, but is still really rich. It's for feeling. Yep. Yeah. It's like,
3: it's like, it's like, it's like feeling smarts. Yeah. Rather than like book smarts. You know Uh, what I mean? Like emotional intelligence. About how to stage things as, totally. as it rolls out, you know.
1: It's like saying this is what the song needs versus like
3: right, versus exactly. Like, it's the
1: song first versus like like player first, Which, you know. Yeah. Like, what does it need versus what can Which you bring?
0: I, you know, Max. Yeah. I think you were onto something with Armando being you know being a pianist because I you know I was digging through his Instagram and like I was seeing a lot of names commenting that I recognized from my time in New York that were like super heavy jazz dudes. <laughs> Uh, that seem to know Armando pretty well, so like to me, I think he's very much in that circle. And I, I get the similar a, a similar sense from your music as well, where you know you've you've studied jazz, you've studied the, the history of music, and, and you're like incredibly proficient on on the instruments that you decided to play. But then you put that in like a, a songwriting context, and it's like the sky is the absolute limit. And then you start chiseling away to create something that's really kind of unique and beautiful. So that. That to me, I think is where the tie in, and what I'm hearing, and maybe I'm way off, but that's kind of what I hear in your stuff, and what I would relate to to Armando a little bit as well.
3: I really appreciate the stuff that you said about that Carter, and you know, comparatively speaking, because it, uh, I think that a lot of times when uh, a crossover effort is is made from something that's instrumentally based. You know, into the the songwriting stuff. Like, I want to make songs. I want to write choruses. I want to write verses. I want there to be this structure. Yeah. I want to live in this kind of world. Yeah. Oftentimes, it becomes insanely busy, uh, mm. very quickly when there's so many elements that are at one's disposal when you're when you're making a song from scratch yeah. or that's inspired by a sample what have you. And it goes off the rails so quickly where it's like, Ooh, yeah. all of a sudden there's all these different keys happening and there's two <laughs> keys in the verse. And now there's, we're going to go into three real quick, yeah. but for the pre-chorus and then bang, you know, it's just, I try my best to stay away from those types of things and, and, and try to really master at least, or get closer to the ability to have very accurate taste to deliver mm. the message With the least path of resistance, but the most character and the most, you know, creative, sensitive way of delivering it so that it's not lost on that wide ranging group of people that feel, feel, that have feelings, you know, the jazz heads, the people that are not into jazz, the people that are strictly into hip hop, that type of thing. Like there's a, there's like a vein, there's like a nerve that gets hit when you do something like this tune That, you know, this loved ones where it's like you can kind of just feel it, that it's just like, oh, man, like this dude is really good. (laughs) He's like, yeah, he's good. I feel like he's a good person. I feel like the message (laughs) is good. I don't, you know, even even if you don't get it right away, you're just kind of you just kind of like vibe with it. And it takes you on. An emotional journey. Hashtag
0: (laughs) That feels (laughs) like as good a play. I don't think we're gonna top that. I think we should move on to our next track (laughs) unless you have something that you're like dying to you wanna talk about on this track still. But that was that was perfect. You.
1: We're listening to the song Devil's Spoke by Laura Marling from the 2010 album I Speak Because I Can. Had either of you heard this track before? I had not, no. no. She came through the Boston area back when I was in school, and I had finally made a singer-songwriter friend, because at Berkeley I was not a jazz kid, so I couldn't musically identify with <laughs> most of my peers. And I made a singer-songwriter friend who said she was going to a show. Did I want to go with her? And of course I did. Um... And that was during a time when Laura Marling was, um, she toured in like churches and places like that. So I saw her in a 200-year-old church and it was magical. Probably <laughs> sounded insane. Yeah. So she, she does stuff like that. Another thing I learned about her while prepping for this that fascinated me, um, she did a live art exhibition in 2011 called Experiments in Awkwardness, where she would perform for two people who had never met each other before she just gave like a solo performance to them. They would just experience this performance with a complete stranger and wow. then leave, wow. <laughs> which How close amazing. did they
3: sit to each other?
1: That's a good question. <laughs> that I don't know. But even okay. like if you're three people in the room,
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: that's pretty intimate. Um, she did another thing a couple of years later where she did a 17 night residency in an old Victorian schoolhouse in London. And all the rooms had been converted to line up with themes from her music. Throughout the night, she would just pop up in different rooms, play short sets, and then leave. And then at the end of the night, she played like the scheduled set in the main ballroom that everyone was there to see. Um, She doesn't seem to like talking about her music very much. Hmm. She has said that she really thinks of music as kind of, you know, like a a shared experience, especially in live performance. There should be something more than just like you're listening to a song and I'm playing a song.
3: I can't help but think about like people sitting like as if they're on a Spirit Airlines flight <laughs> two people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if at all possible, can you lift the armrest? <laughs> if I were to to set something like that up as a performer, it would be hard for me to not inject humor into the situation.
1: Totally.
0: Yeah.
3: I'm definitely catching a vibe off of what she was saying about how it's a shared experience. It reminds me of like Sonny Rollins when uh, Mm -hmm. recording like mass produced recordings became popular in jazz music. He was really not about it. He was like, nope, Mm -hmm. all live. Don't come to me with that Mm -hmm. BS. I don't want any part of it, whatever. I like I really respect that type of like it's a it's a very strong way to be Mm -hmm. as an artist, you know, kind of to go through things like that
1: it ties into the emotions thing too. Like it doesn't, it feels less manufactured because what you're getting really is something that could never be experienced with the same emotional tone mm. by anyone else ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, when you brought up the airplane thing, have you ever been on a flight seated next to a stranger when you're traveling alone and you hit turbulence and there's just that kind of weird, like intimacy to it, even if you don't say anything.
3: You good? You good? I'm good. I'm good. Are you good? (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) There is something about music though, that I think it is supposed to be more of an experience than we make it a lot of the time Mm -hmm. nowadays. Music doesn't just have to be a backing track for your day-to-day life. It can be in and of itself a thing. Um, a little more about Laura Marling, she was part of the band Noah and the Whale in the original lineup. Also, might Mumford and Sons were her backing band before they became Really?
3: Mumford. Yeah. Dude. I was just, i that was something I couldn't get out of my head while I was listening yeah. to this. I'm like, the phrasing is like, it's so much of that cool, like, six bar phrase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. two bar turnaround with no words or something like yeah. or a three bar phrase with a two bar. It's like it draws you in in this weird, like subconscious way.
1: Well, It's like that Laurel Canyon vibe, yep. you know, like yes. she, oh, she gets yeah, compared yeah. to like Joni Mitchell a lot. And that, um, she'll, yep. she'll reference Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Um, but that same kind of like almost beat poetry way of writing lyrics where the melody and the words just kind of fall out of you. And it almost seems like an accident that mm. the phrasing is good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm, it's not, but like, it feels very like that is just exactly what was meant to be. There's no right. other way of thinking about it. Just to bring things back, um, maybe unsurprisingly, I've also read that she doesn't like the idea of people trying to figure out her songs for the purpose of trying to figure her out. Mm. Yeah. Cause you know how we do that nowadays Like especially now with like mm. Mainstream hip hop and stuff Where you're like ooh Is that like who's throwing shade at who And what's right, this a reference yeah. to She sees it more as like It should be about finding a Maybe not universal But shared understanding Of a human experience You know um, Which I think invites us to To look at her lyrics more in In the what does this mean to me <laughs> Than what does this mean to her way mm-hmm there is just so much metaphor in here and I cannot make heads or tails of a lot of it. And I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it does seem to be about, you know, a relationship that has been romanticized in someone's head, but you always have that feeling that something's off. And then eventually it starts to fall apart, which is an emotional journey to me. When you said emotional journey songs, I knew I wanted to feel like the emotion was changing <laughs> throughout yeah. the song. And it has all these nice moments in the arrangement that feel like a tumultuous relationship.
2: I am yours till they come I am yours
4: till they come Right?
1: So... We get, like, it's all awesome. these little moments of, of intimacy at different levels and then the chaos of something that's going off the rails.
0: just love that upright bass, the, the swell and the yeah. wall of it is always just so awesome. I'm trying to avoid warm, but, yeah, it's just it just really, again, draws you in. I also, hey, the banjo. I haven't loved a track with a banjo in a long time, and that's, <laughs> that's fantastic.
3: It really does help to kind of keep it, it like, it's almost as if like if if a banjo is in there, there's going to be energy underneath. Yep. what's yeah, happening. yeah, definitely. Like, there's such a rhythmic aspect to the instrument; it just keeps the activity going. It's like yeah, it's like an constant... undercurrent. Yes, <laughs> under- undercurrent. That's ex- yeah, perfect word. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I think string instruments in general sometimes have that feel, and maybe you know, like you think about like lutes. <laughs> way back in like medieval right. days and stuff. There's something very <laughs> carrying about instruments like that. Um, anything right. fingerpicked. Yes. Um, yes. I agree that upright bass there is really nice Carter and just giving it the space to exist and be heard. It's so exposed just that and her voice in those yeah. moments. Um, so the other timestamp that I have for you that mattered a lot to me was um, about 158.
4: But the love of your life lives but lies no more And
0: where she lay a flower rose That's so cool.
1: Yeah, so earlier in, that, in the song so far, in what I'm calling choruses, but I, they're kind of refrainy, but earlier all our doubles have been lower, but here it's really out there. And you could hear it and it feels optimistic and wistful, and the chords change to go with that. It just has that emotional roller coaster of a relationship, yeah. you know?
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The release too. The moment that started playing, so much pressure gets released, mm-hmm. like uncorked.
2: Mm-hmm. Right
3: when that turns to major uh, four,
2: three, two. It's like, yeah. oh, oh. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm fine now. Like, yeah, thank got, you. It's got like this feeling, <laughs> God, man. It's comforting, awesome, yeah.
2: right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs>
4: At the oh, end of
1: verse two, we done. get the line with the silence broken by a whispered wind. And then we go into the chorus. All of this can be broken. All of this can be broken. Hold your devil by a spoke and spin him to the ground. And I think you get the sense that like like the idea of the wind saying that to you. To me, that's that, you know, something isn't right. Like something in your gut is saying this isn't what i think it is mm. and that feeling carries throughout the song both lyrically
3: mm. and musically that like suspicion
1: yeah like later later on you have the like have you come here to rescue me which is such a almost childish way of thinking about a relationship and at the same time you have that undercurrent of like yeah but this could fall apart right <laughs> mm. and i love that the music does that on all those little themes come back in and out um and then at the very end we get that really like animalistic built up breaking point and i like that that's how the song ends <laughs> mm.
0: yeah. she's one of those artists too that every time i hear her name or or her music too i'm like oh yeah laura marling and i realize that i haven't listened to nearly enough of of them she's so good. in particular too i mean the and hopefully she's doing more and more of this now that you know maybe she's able to and things are opening up, but like all of those performance art idea things like for shows are just so exciting and so interesting. She's an
1: interesting artist too. I think she's somebody who I'm not going to say she succeeds in spite of herself. Cause I don't like that. And I don't think that's the case, but she doesn't seem to care about whether or not she is successful commercially. Like she's talked about not wanting to do the same things over and over. She wants her music to evolve and, be what it's going to be. She does almost no editing with her mm. writing. She writes it and it's done.
0: That's really cool.
1: And it feels like all these things are more geared towards a person who's a storyteller than somebody who's like writing songs that need to fit a certain mold or whatever.
0: Hmm. Love that. And Anything else on this track, Mahia, that you want to touch on or?
1: Um, I mean, just again, that idea of like listening to her and also like the Laurel Canyon yeah. style songwriters. Yeah, of course. I think a lot of songwriters try to emulate that kind of thing. Um, And it's interesting and difficult to find a balance between giving yourself the tools to understand things like form and meter and all that, and also be able to trust your instincts in your ear. Like, I think she's somebody who mostly has a really good ear, but that's a different type of studying, too, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. But yeah, for not wanting to think too hard about things on a theoretical level all the scansion and stuff is so good mm. yeah <laughs> um apparently she can't always tell her band what the chords are in her songs and stuff too because she likes alternate tunings and oh yeah thinking about that and stuff. so
0: that's joni's <laughs> joni mitchell's vibe too where it's like yeah i'm just gonna i think she was even just randomly tuning the, and that's why you get all these like incredible chords on her it's music.
1: liberating
0: it, it really is
4: All of this can be broken. All of this can be broken. Hold your devil by his spoke and spin him to the ground.
3: Grabbing the devil by his spoke, instantly, when I heard that, it made sense to me, even though I didn't quite grasp just yet what exactly the song, if there was a a poignant message to be made. Like, the devil could be anything. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. anyone yeah, that listens to this song can take something from it. It could be, an, it could be a, a substance thing. It could be a relationship mm-hmm. thing. It could be something about yourself that you're not comfortable with that you want to mm-hmm. change for the better. That whole devil thing as a metaphor, I found was extremely powerful. And that was just the way that I got hit with it right out of the gate.
1: You know what that brings up too that I, I did want to mention that I forgot. So there's a really great book called The Art of Noise Conversations with Great Songwriters that I highly recommend. Mm. Um, It's British songwriters. Yeah, yeah, it's British songwriters for the most part. One thing she says in her interview in that book is that her songs are often about faith and love, and of the two, faith is often the more logical thing to talk about because they're so similar, Oh wow. and yet there's this small distinction, right? I had never thought of it that way, but I was like, man, love songs viewed in a different light are songs about a specific type of faith, and that's... Yeah. Fascinating That's true. Anyway
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, You guys are, are Blowing my mind
4: Eye to eye Nose to nose Ripping off each other's clothes In a most peculiar
0: And Max, again, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Oh man. Big fans in this house uh now of your music. I'm so stoked that we were able to get hip to it. Do you mind sharing with our audience just anything new coming down the pipe, where they can find you, where they can listen to you?
3: Um yeah, my name is Max Swan. I'm a huge new fan of Laura Marling. <laughs> and uh... <laughs> no, sorry <laughs> um, you know, I'm a I'm a producer, vocalist, saxophonist, mm-hmm. um, play keyboards, produce all my own music been kind of making a career for myself as just a musician in general mostly on sax and vocals for the past decade or so mm. uh in the in the Philly area and just continuing to stay busy with that which I'm very thankful to be doing um but uh began kind of this journey to you know incorporate my voice which I've always wanted to do in my own music so much chime um was like the first single that I put out where I used my voice And uh, Fisherman is out. The uh, most recent EP that I put out is entitled Gone Away, um, which is actually like a few selections from an album that is coming this fall, actually. Nice. And... I'm really, really excited for the future of my own music. If you know, if anybody wants to check it out, the most recent thing certainly is Legend, which is one of the first things that I dropped mm-hmm. off of this coming project, which is coming in the fall. But uh I am not exactly prepared just yet to announce it, to say what it's called. But uh it's definitely the most personal stuff I've ever made in my life. I'm extremely proud of it. Um, you know, for what it is and uh, I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what my listeners and future listeners might take from my own music much in the way that we took from these three tracks we listened to today. And that's going to do it for this episode of
0: Themes and Variation. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we want to know your favorite songs that are an emotional journey, so there is a Spotify community playlist in our show notes. Feel free to add your selections there. Remember to check out soundfly.com for all of your music learning needs and use that discount code ONE YEAR, all caps, to take 20% off. And as a special treat, we're going to play this one out with a snippet from the Max Swan track legend. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode and a new theme.